Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. We do things a little differently on this podcast. Our first commitment is reading through the Bible, but you can go anywhere and hear a great voice read the Bible. So we do this like you and I are having a cup of coffee and pausing sometimes to talk about it. Like the factoid you will hear today in the middle of our passage in Matthew about the Lord of the Flies. Yep, you heard me right. Which gets us to the one thing I'm pretty sure you won't hear about on other podcasts. <laughs> hopeful. Glad to be with you again from my regular microphone today and on our journey together where we commit together to just reading through every word of God's revelation of himself. We get through the New Testament in about 10 months, Old Testament in about 14, and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including how we, like Jesus, face opposition. It's one thing I hope our time with Jesus helps you with. And if you're new, this is episode, quite literally, 1,901. <laughs> and that doesn't count the extra always be ready segments. Welcome. If you are new and if you're not new, would you help someone else understand that this isn't a New Year's resolution that we just kind of keep on keeping on and been doing this for five and a half years? The one thing that's different around here is an open invitation for you to call or text or write. And I mean that. I'll pray with you. We'll talk about it. We'll answer questions. I usually think of Fridays as like family Friday. So shout out to Vivian and Melissa for their notes and uh, inquiries this week. All of you, thank you for your prayer support. And I haven't said this in a while, but send me your questions too. I will reply privately and or use those anonymously for the Always Be Ready segments, roger at forthehope.com. In our New Testament segment today, we finish up a long chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 12 that we started yesterday, and the story uh, of the now open opposition to Jesus continues. In fact, as we heard yesterday, the Pharisees have now escalated to actively looking for a way to kill him. Matthew chapter 12, picking up in verse 15. Jesus was aware of this and withdrew. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. He warned them not to make him known so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. When Isaiah wrote, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him. Jesus healed him so that the man could both speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, Could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. All right, there you go, pause. <laughs> Beelzebul literally means 
Lord of the Flies. And if you're thinking, oh, yeah, like uh, William Golding's famous book, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, that one. Except that by this time in, um, in the history of that era, it had become kind of the catch-all for, like, Satan. Even though it didn't mean Satan, it was just kind of like, yeah, it's the ruler of demons. Continuing. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but blasphemy against the Spirit, capital S, blasphemy against the Spirit, will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the one to come. Either make the tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned." Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Pause. He's talking about the resurrection, right? Even today, we see lots of people who want signs and Jesus is saying that the resurrection is sufficient. And I'm not talking about, I'm not, we'll talk about charismatic signs another time. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. But the resurrection is sufficient for anyone and everyone. He answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, 
It roams through waterless places looking for rest, but doesn't find any. And then it says, I'll go back to the house that I came from. And returning, it finds the house vacant, swept and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And that is Matthew chapter 12. Note that, by the way, Jesus' response to opposition at this point in the narrative is to withdraw, right? Strategically enabling him to continue his mission. And interestingly, we don't know how Jesus' blood family has responded to his teaching at this point. Mary has treasured these things up in his in her heart, we heard in uh, early Matthew or early Luke, but Matthew positions them as outside the disciple circle, and therefore suggests that they were at least maybe uncommitted. By contrasting natural family ties with greater quote unquote family of those who do the will of the Father in heaven, Jesus emphasized the radical demand of his call to discipleship, but of course also its reward. Turning to our Old Testament segment, we just yesterday heard of the death of Solomon. And in fact, that whole Queen of the South, that's the Queen of Sheba stuff. And given that we follow a chronological timeline here for our Old Testament readings, now is the point when we knock down the rest of Solomon's work, which means it's time to tackle Ecclesiastes before we get back to Kings and Chronicles. Ecclesiastes picking up in chapter 1. The words of the teacher, a son of David, king in Jerusalem. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a person gain for all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The earth, the sun rises and the sun sets Panting, it hurries back to the place where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycles. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome, more than anyone can say. The eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled by hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Can anyone say about anything, look, this is new? It has already existed in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of those who came before or of those who will come after. There will also be no remembrance by those who follow them. I, the teacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to examine and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. God has given people 
this miserable task to keep them occupied. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun and have found everything to be futile, a pursuit of the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, See, I have amassed wisdom far beyond all those who were over Jerusalem before me, and my mind has thoroughly grasped wisdom wisdom and knowledge. I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, madness and folly. I learned that this, too, is a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom is much sorrow. As knowledge increases, grief increases. I said to myself, go ahead. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness. And about pleasure, I said, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. I increased my achievements. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned livestock, large herds and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasure of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile and a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Then I turned to consider wisdom, madness, and folly, for what will the king's successor be like? He will do what has already been done. And I realized that there is an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I also knew that one fate comes to them both. So I said to myself, What happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been overly wise? And I said to myself, That this is also futile. For, just like a fool, there is no lasting remembrance of the wise, since in the days to come both will be forgotten. How is it that the wise person dies just like the fool? Therefore I hated life, because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for everything is futile and a pursuit of the wind. I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun, because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This 
too, is futile. So I began to give myself over to despair concerning all my work that I had labored at under the sun. When there is a person whose work has done, was done with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and he must give his portion to a person who has not worked for it, this too is futile and a great wrong. For what does a person get with all his work and all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? For all his days are filled with grief and his occupation is sorrowful. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is futile. There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand. But who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For to the person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This, too, is futile and a pursuit of the wind. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. Mm. I love Ecclesiastes because it's like the Pink Floyd of the Bible. Everything is meaningless, except for, friends, you and I know that everything is meaningless without Jesus. As we heard today, everything's meaningless because all of our activity is pointless, was his kind of first section part, uh, point, and everything is meaningless because nothing satisfies. Everything is meaningless, and this is kind of the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes up to the very end. Everything is meaningless because our frustration is meant to drive us to Jesus. So perhaps it's fitting then that we close out today with our wisdom segment being a psalm that's actually a love song. Would you pray this with me? Pray this with me. Psalm 45, for the choir director, according to the lilies, a masculine of the sons of Korah, a love song. My heart is moved by a noble theme as I recite verses to the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most handsome of men. Grace flows from your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Mighty warrior, strap your sword at your side. In your majesty and splendor, in your splendor, ride triumphantly in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. May your right hand show your awe-inspiring acts. Your sharpened arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy more than your companions. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume all your garments. Your, from ivory palaces, harps bring you joy. King's daughters are among your honored women. The queen, adorned with gold from Ophir, stands at your right hand. Listen, daughter, pay attention and consider. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Bow down to him, for he is your Lord. 
the daughter of Tyre, the wealthy people, will seek your favor with gifts. In her chamber the royal daughter is all glorious, her clothing embroidered with gold. In colorful garments she is led to the king. After her, the virgins, her companions, are brought to you. They are led in with gladness and rejoicing. They enter the king's palace. Your sons will succeed your ancestors. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will cause your name to be remembered for all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 45. And I don't know if you heard it, my friends, but that foreshadows Jesus, the ultimate king, the one who won't go off the rails like Solomon did. Lord God, we... We give you our hearts again, Lord. Help us to rightly place each day in light of eternity. Lord, we know that this world passes away, but your word never passes away. Help us to treasure it in our hearts. Guide us with wisdom that we can only have from the Holy Spirit. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.